It's been famously said that software is eating the world. Some traditional companies are having more success than others in fending off its voracious appetite. One of them is a century-old industrial best known for making thermostats. I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback. This week, I'm joined by Barron's senior writer, Al Root, who's just written a cover story about Honeywell. Hey, Al. Alex, hello. So tell me, why is there a thermostat on the cover of Barron's this week? Actually, it's a good question. It was a bit of a battle because Honeywell doesn't even make the thermostats anymore. They spun out that business, but that was the first business. All the way back to the early 20th century, Honeywell is known for controlling things, and it's a controls company. So it makes all of those little bits of equipment with technology embedded that set the temperature in your apartment or home. People, when you say, I want to do a story on Honeywell, they're like, well, is it really that interesting? It, it was. It, you had a bit of a tough uh, pitch on this one, Al. It's the largest industrial company in the world. So Boeing is bigger, but Boeing is commercial aerospace. Okay. Some of the car companies are bigger. Toyota's bigger, but Toyota makes cars. It's a car company. Honeywell is the most significant industrial conglomerate out there. It controls all of the buildings that we work in. It is on many of the planes that we fly all over the world. It also controls a lot of the chemical and energy processes that are running around the country. It is a huge company that spans the globe and spans many of the industries that we take for granted. Got it. The problem is it's just not that big compared to other things, compared to the Microsofts of the world or the Oracles of the world, the the company run by Larry Ellison that makes database software. It's just not as sexy to make hardware as it is to make software. Not a lot of dinner conversations about Honeywell. I mean, right? Well, I try to push the Honeywell <laughs> conversations, but people's eyes glaze over Maybe. pretty quickly. So at the root household, there is some Honeywell talk. Well, only only me and no one's listening, okay. but that's right. another story. <laughs> And so this thermostat on the cover of Barron's was a little bit different, right? Because you peeled it away. You saw someone peeling it away, and there were lots of digital bits, zeros and ones underneath it. So uh, that implies tech, of course. Right. Honeywell's now a tech company? In some respects. They want to be known as a software industrial company. They want to make software as well as hardware, and they want to be known as the company that's bringing you know, the new age of industrial uh, process engineering to the fore, uh, making things more productive. And it's really this internet of things, you know, this IOT. We, we hate acronyms, but it's really like an IOT play. Explain to us what internet of things actually means. Internet of things refers to anything that is connected to the web. Things connected to the internet? Things connected to the web. So a smart speaker, your doorbell. Now maybe you've got one of those advanced doorbells. You can see it on your phone. Mm -hmm. that, that's an internet of things application, something that didn't exist before. It's the same in the industrial universe. All of these assets that produce stuff, we can connect them, we can feed enormous amounts of data up into the cloud, and now we can do something with that. And that's something that's only been around for the last few years. Got it. Okay. And of course, a big part of this Internet of Things boom is the idea that you take all those controls, you connect them to the cloud, you connect them to each other, you collect the data off of them, and just like that, we have a whole new way of seeing the world. So Industry 4.0, right? This is supposed to be the next big thing. Industry 1.0, Mr. Watt gave us a steam engine. We replaced horses and became much more productive. Industry 2.0, Mr. Ford gave us the assembly line and suddenly it was much lower cost, much higher quality to make things on a mass-produced basis. 
Industry 3.0, Mr. Jobs and Mr. Gates gave us the computer and it transformed how all of us work every day. Now, 2019, this is supposed to be Industry 4.0, where unconstrained computing power, artificial intelligence, machine learning, make that big a change to the way we work and the productivity improvement possible, just like computers or just like the steam engine. That's the goal. That's what people are saying and hoping for. Those are big expectations. Right. It's supposed to be as big a deal as how computers transform the way we all work. And so all of this data can come off of these industrial assets. We can store it, analyze it, and use it to make improvements on a real-time basis. On the margins, it might not seem like a huge deal if an airline's able to save fuel by using this data, right? But you put it all together and the numbers actually are massive. This is why it's supposed to be revolutionary. You're supposed to be basically unlocking, you know, five to ten percent of manufacturing capacity just by the data. So when I was a I was I am an engineer, I used to work at a steel company. And every once in a while, one of these coils of steel that is effectively like a giant roll of toilet paper, actually. That's the best way to understand Heavy it. Heavy roll of toilet Heavy. paper. Heavy. Okay. It's coming down the line at a thousand feet a minute. And it misses and it, it basically explodes. Not a good day at the factory. No, not a good day at the factory. That happens a couple of times a month, huh. right? So, you know, with data and better control processes, better control software, all of these sorts of things, you can sort of save two out of 60 shifts where you would be maintaining and fixing the asset. And so that's sort of the level of improvement. Okay. So everyone wants to be a tech company these days though, right? I mean... Everyone talks about it. So really, is Honeywell any different? Why Honeywell? Well, everybody does have a digital strategy, right? So if you go up to any industrial company, it's almost like the price of admission. The CEO will say, well, we have a digital strategy to of connect course. our assets to the cloud. And they'll uh, throw out a bunch of words, and yeah. then we'll move on to the next question. How, how's, how's the business environment? Right. You know, one of the questions industrial investors are going to start having to ask their companies, how many software engineers do you have? Yeah. More than half of the engineers at Honeywell are software engineers. Wow. It's more like 60%. So more than mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, chemical engineers, software engineering is the dominant discipline at Honeywell. And that's something that's materially different than some of the other uh, competitors out there. Right. And so, you know, Honeywell, you know, we asked them, we asked a whole variety of questions, but we asked them, like, who's your big competition? Right. And, you know, they basically said consistently, right now, our biggest competition is inertia. Hmm. They just need to get people to adopt it. Right. We just have to convince our customers that this is real. We can save the money, can make their life easier. Yeah, actually picking up on that. Honeywell has always sort of played second fiddle, at least in the public imagination, to General Electric, right? That true American company. But GE's had a terrible run in recent years. The stock has tumbled. It's something you've written a lot about. So what went wrong at GE? So Honeywell would probably be quite happy to play second fiddle to General Electric in the public consciousness because it means it's been a much less drama-filled existence. Yeah. GE tried to go digital. They wanted to uh, have $10 billion in digital factory sales and factory of the future sales uh, a few years back. That was a goal under former CEO Jeff Immel. Actually, under new CEO Larry Culp, uh, the strategy is we're going to uh, sell digital solutions in the industry verticals like aerospace engines. It sounds a lot like the Honeywell plan, but we should add General Electric didn't fail because of bad bets made in digital strategy, right? They spent a lot of money on a huge power acquisition that 
didn't go well. $16 billion went to money heaven, as I like to Those say. Those are these giant turbines they bought? Alstom's power business that they bought, and the world is going away from fossil fuel-based power generation, so it's been a really challenged business. So that's one reason. And GE was a giant bank. It had $600 billion in financial assets, essentially, and they made uh, some very bad bets in banking, which is not really an industrial thing, but that's been the stock wall versus this digital transformation. Got it. Okay. One thing that's so fascinating to me, because I spend a lot of time covering technology, is how investors value technology companies versus how they value industrial companies. So here we have this example of Honeywell, which is trying to be both or trying to become more and more of a technology company. So what does that mean? for the mindset of an investor and how you value a industrial company trying to turn into a software company? That's an excellent question. I mean, ultimately, everything comes down to earnings or, or free cash flow. But for Honeywell, what it should mean is my profit margins increase and my earnings growth is faster than it otherwise would have been in the absence of my software strategy. So software margins, gross profits, 75%. And if you think about it, right, you're selling code yeah. and there's not a lot of capital equipment involved. You know, you're, you're paying your people, but that's, those are the margins. And an outstanding industrial asset, you know, will have you know, 40% gross margins wow. because of all the material and labor and physical things that go in the product. So more profitable business model, right. basically. So I guess what it comes down to is as investors start to appreciate a little bit more of the digital part of Honeywell, there's upside in this stock. Right. And it's not just upside because, oh, it's a software company. We need to pay more. Earnings will grow faster because things are starting to work. Okay. So it's a double thing. You get potentially more earnings and you have investors saying every dollar of profit you earn, I'm going to value at a higher multiple. Right. Got it. And so what happens now? So there must be some risk in this for Honeywell. I mean, they're trying to do a lot of new things. What happens if the whole digital thing just doesn't work out for Honeywell? It's a good question. I'm a conservative optimist. Okay. So I don't like to pay a lot of money for things. Uh -huh. uh, it's an expensive stock, but it's been growing uh, earnings faster than the market for the last few years. And you could have said that, oh, Honeywell is relatively expensive at basically any point in the last five years and the stock's continued to do well. Right. That's, that's the future I see for the stock as well. Underpinning all of this is it's a really good industrial franchise. It has leading market share in commercial buildings, leading market share good assets in aerospace industry, in the energy industry, and then the logistics and safety franchises. It's a really good company that has been executing well for years. If the digital strategy works out really well, and in the best case, it becomes like the Microsoft of plant management, IoT, operational technology, Industry 4.0, yeah. software. I mean, how many buzzwords can we put in one sentence? We can get a lot in there. We can get a lot in there. Then it will be a much larger company. But it's like this free call option almost. This I hope it works out. But if it doesn't work out, it's still in really good shape. Right. And if you're worried about the economy, and I was going to tell you, well, what should you buy? You should buy high-quality assets uh, in good industrial end markets like aerospace, and you would probably still end up with Honeywell. Got so it. do I want to pay a cheaper price for Honeywell? Of course I do, but it is a good asset for multiple environments. And as I like to say, you know, it gives you multiple shots on goal, which is my one hockey analogy. <laughs> Sounds like an investor's dream. Um, all right, I got one last question for you. Ten years from now, is Honeywell only a software firm? Are they actually still making anything? So Honeywell will never not make things. That's, that's well said. We're all writers here. <laughs> um, 
things. But to your point, there there might become a point in the future where Honeywell and the IoT applications that it's built, you know, they're selling it outside of their domain expertise, where it's become so ubiquitous and so accepted that, that they're selling it not into their installed base. Maybe at that point, it could be a standalone company, but Honeywell will always be making aerospace parts. They will always be making the equivalent of thermostats for commercial buildings, and they will be making stuff far into the future. Thanks, Sal, for joining us. Thank you. To read Al Root's cover story on Honeywell, check out the latest edition of Barron's or, as always, barrons.com. I'm Alex Yule. The Readback is produced by Meta Lutzoft. The show will return next Wednesday.